and welcome to the Tent Podcast. That is to say, Thriving in Technology. Your hosts are Sam Moulton and Cecilia Taylor, both members of the Influence Team at NetApp. Today, we're joined by our colleague, Jennifer Kaufman. Jennifer is a tech advisor to the NetApp A-Team, but her day job is all about technical documentation in her role as a senior manager in information engineering. We want to hear what that's all about, as well as dive into some other cool things she's done in her career. Welcome to the Tent Podcast, Jennifer. Thank you. It's great to be here. We're happy to have you here. And I'm very happy to be here. I'm, I'm delighted. <laughs> so before we get started, uh, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Like well, I'm on Twitter. Or, uh, what street you live on. Uh, but yeah. uh, Right, right. Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my handle is the Jen Kaufman. And I am also can be kind of reached because I'm obsessively watching all the comments that come into our NetApp doc Twitter handle. That's the documentation mm-hmm. Twitter handle to NetApp. Uh, and I also watch all the comments that come into our doc comments uh, email, which is where folks can send us questions about our documentation or helpful suggestions for how to make it better. Now, is that an external email address? Yeah. In fact, uh, that address is in all of our documentation. So you can always kind of find that email address when you're looking at content that's been created by our team okay. um, and send us a note. Yeah, We'll include that in the show notes then. Great. So... Here's the thing. You and I have known each other for a long time, but it's generally like we're hanging out at Insight versus, you know, actually talking about what we do during our, our day job. So I don't really know what it means to be an information engineer. So can you walk us through a day in the office with Jennifer Kaufman, the Jennifer Kaufman? <laughs> I can. Well, the, I mean, I personally spend a lot of time uh, talking. But my team, uh, they do a lot of working, and information engineer is a term that we use at NetApp to describe a job that lots of other companies call technical writer or tech pubs or uh, technical content developer. We call them information engineers at NetApp because we, we think the role is a little bit deeper than just technical writer, right? So these are folks who are creating content so that our customers can use our products. Uh, so whatever the NetApp engineers build, whatever wonderful things they come up with, they really can't be used unless the information engineer creates some content in support of that product so the customer can be successful. Uh, right, so right. what do those guys do? Well, they they sit with engineers. They work with the release teams. Uh, they are a lot of times they're the first people to actually try a product or a feature, the first non-engineer to try something out. And they will give okay, feedback so you're doing, about the yeah they're yeah. doing actual hands-on testing then okay yep yep and they'll they'll tell the engineers hey this is not actually working the way you think it does go back um, go back and we, fix this. yeah we also uh, you know a lot of what we do is we'll kind of translate from engineering into human. Uh, engineers kind of, they build these great things and they want to tell you everything it does. And that's our job to gently break it to them. Then maybe the customer only needs to know some, some portion of that, but we're really proud of them for what they built and it's magnificent. And here's the subset of that information that somebody needs to like actually use what they built uh, successfully. So yeah. And you know, we, we use words, we use pictures, we use video. 
We'll use user interface design, kind of anything we can to help customers be successful with what the engineer has has built. You know, the, the writers kind of live with these products for their whole lives. So when they're when they're born, uh, all the way through to when they're released, and then as they decay into old age, the the content folks are still around trying to kind of help people be successful with the product. So this is interesting. So that's very interesting. I didn't realize that they get involved very early on, like at the beginning of, you know, when they're what the concept, they're creating the concept of this product or feature or something. Oh yeah. In fact, our content creators will be involved in reviewing specifications for a product as it's in development. Sometimes they even will in early stages of a product's kind of infancy start asking about use cases. How is a customer actually going to use this amazing thing you're building? Uh, yeah, they're inter- at NetApp in particular, they're integrated pretty early on in the process. Provide, I think, you know, some really valuable feedback because that's their job. Yeah, that's good to know. That's good to know. That's very reassuring, actually. I think that's good <laughs> they're asking those questions early on in the process. Team also, you know, they're trying to have all this documentation ready when the product releases, right? So, so some content is created after a product has gone out into the wild. You get a lot of material that's generated to kind of explain how is it really working, people talking to each other, support content, you know, sort of post-release material, great information. But a lot of what my team does happens before that. And so it has to happen pretty early on. So it's really going to have to be developed in tandem with the product being developed in order for it to be really ready at release time. So that's a little bit of the difference. Got it. So I know you have a team of writers that you're working with uh, as you're putting these things together. But I guess a question is, how do you keep everyone inspired when they're writing about stuff that's not exactly, you know... (laughs) These are stories that are, tend to be more technical, frankly. So what tips and tricks do you share to keep those writers enthused? Scotch? <laughs> Irish whiskey? No, I'm, I'm kidding. I mean, so we, we I, uh, I call us the word nerds, right? So these are a bunch of people who are passionate about really nerdy stuff. I have an incredible team. Some of the folks on my team have been at NetApp for more than 20 years, multiple people, right? So these are people who are, they're just, they love to learn. They're excited by nerdy stuff. They can't help themselves. They're just, they're just like, if the technology is interesting, they're engaged. And kind of the way we keep things interesting, I think is partly we're always pushing ourselves a little bit, right? So we have this mission. We have this phrase we use, I, I call it innovating while delivering, right? So yes, of course, we're delivering content in support of these products that are going out. That's, that's the basics of what we do. But we're also always pushing a little bit, innovating a little to kind of explore new ways to do what we do. So new skills, new formats, new customer engagement levels, new output types. Uh, I mean, right now, one of the things that we're doing, and and it's happening all across our content world right now, is kind of pushing the boundaries of collaboration, working with people who aren't even technical writers, uh, working with subject matter experts, A-team kind of people, right? And kind of inviting them in to help us document. Uh, We've got a platform that we use, which allows people to contribute directly to what we're doing right away. And we can just kind of say, yeah, that sounds good. Let's commit that and push it out. That's a really exciting new kind of engagement for the writers. And there's a lot of discussion in our team now about how content really is 
is way more of a strategic item than people always realize. I mean, it really drives sales. It really drives kind of field enablement. It drives the story of the company. I mean, I always say content is like the face of the company. It's the first thing that customers see when they're interacting Mm -hmm. with us. When they're interacting with NetApp, what do they see? They see our content. Well, so that's really important. How do we project the right persona? Who is NetApp and what is the company uh, into the content? And so that's pretty interesting stuff. That's really not dry at all. That's a real challenge. And the folks uh, in our team are really passionate about content and all of its potential not just to explain how to use something, but how do you convey uh, a real kind of customer connection and experience through what you do? So it's a little bit more than, you know, than just writing, right? So, right. Uh, well, I don't know. Well, clearly yeah. it is. <laughs> neither Cecilia nor I really had the, the big picture. So thanks for <laughs> that. It, no, it's, it's impressive because, you know, I know that you are very open to innovation, like you say, and trying new things. And, as a matter of fact, um, you already kind of let open the door to this, but you recently signed on as a tech advisor to the NetApp A-Team. And I always have to work at least one mention of the A-Team into the podcast. So now we've got a couple here. So that's beautiful, beautiful. But what's been your experience with the team so far? Wow. I, I really love it, actually. I am just so happy to be a part of it. I mean, for me, it kind of... It, it, much more than than you would think from the outside, right? So yes, I get to see questions that come up, you know, maybe gaps or confusion caused by content. And I can certainly go back to my team and say, hey, you know, got an A team member who says this is missing or they couldn't find it or whatever. Sometimes I get super lucky and I can actually answer a question for the A team and say that content is over here. And then I'm like, I do a little happy dance, right? I'm like so happy (laughs) I provided value. But a lot of it is is happening at a way sort of more, I don't know, meta level than that. I mean, I'm passing content directly to the teams, the, the release teams. I'm saying, hey, I'm listening to these guys. Their experience with this product is telling me we need to go back and look at this again. And because I've been working with the product teams at NetApp for so long, I I have my team is embedded in every single product line at NetApp. I can actually go directly to these guys, to product managers, to engineers and say, hey, here's what I'm hearing. What's the plan for that? And if I'm able to kind of synthesize that a little, I might share it, uh, you know, with with somebody on the A-team. But it really it's giving me a wonderful insight into kind of the way our products are being experienced by these folks. I, I really love it. And man, what a bunch of great nerds, you know, I, <laughs> I really enjoy it. I mean, the combined brain power in an A-team uh, virtual room is staggering. And I, I really enjoy it. It's a fantastic group of people. I'm just super happy to be able to kind of connect content to this group of folks and just kind of watch what they're doing with it. So and yeah. you be, you've become um, quite a fan favorite. Everybody was so excited when <laughs> uh, when you were signing on. And I think that the fact that they are out in the trenches every day, they're not in an office, they're actually using it. They're seeing what's happening with it. They're hearing from their customers or they, they as customers themselves, are scratching their heads. So, and I, I just think that this whole feedback loop is super important and I'm I'm really happy to hear you give very tangible evidence to that. Exactly, Sam. That's okay. really actually, you said it better than I did because that, that real world experience, that is amazing. That's like gold for us. You know, we develop all this content, right? And then it goes out there. <laughs> we don't always know how successful it is. We don't always hear 
from the folks who are really using the product. So to me, it's just an incredibly valuable channel for, for, for me to be able to kind of get that information back to us. Really, really appreciate it. And one of the things I really want to do is, again, kind of invite the, the A-team, invite that kind of expert, you know, person to come in and contribute directly to the content. We want to hear these voices. We want to, we want to integrate that knowledge into the content that we provide to other people uh, out using the product. So that tight connection between the A-team and the content that we develop and publish is something that I'm really hoping to kind of build. I love that because that was actually going to be my next question for you. You know, what a- <laughs> You know, what other things can they be doing more of to help you? So I am all over that. You've got that opportunity to speak with them directly, but anything I can do to help facilitate that, I'm I'm all for it. Yay. Yay. Too bad, <laughs> too bad we don't have a video or what would we call this if it was a video podcast? It would be a vodcast. A, a, a vlog. <laughs> a vlog. Yeah. It's too bad that they, they, they couldn't see that, you know, very, very pleased expression on your face. I want to step back for a bit and step back from your role in information engineering at NetApp as a woman in technology. Can you tell us what that's been like for you? Yeah. You know, I'm one of those people who comes from the humanities world. Ooh, right. They're writing articles about us now, uh, about how important the arts and humanities uh, education can be in the technology world. It's really interesting. Um, I mean, I come from, you know, writing, performance art, film, history, but I love technology and I love working in technology. I love engineers, weirdly. I love solving problems. I like explaining things. And that kind of framework puts me, I think, in a little bit of a of a slightly different relationship to the technology space. I've been in it for a very long time now. Uh, it was supposed to be temporary. But <laughs> I never went I never went back to the I had the world. same experience. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um and that's that's because I find it tremendously satisfying. Um and I think that encouraging encouraging people to come into technology from other backgrounds is a really important thing. Uh, you know, I work, you, you mentioned women in technology. I mean, I work in an organization that is run by a vice president who's a very high visibility woman in tech, woman in technology, Anna Schlegel. And she inspires me uh, and all the people in her organization to think big, right? To be brave, to be bold. She has a very unique vision uh, that kind of comes along with her her global mindset, uh, her background in globalization and communication and in marketing, all that. She comes in with a very unique perspective. And it's helped me, I think, feel empowered to speak, to speak about the job, to speak about how tech writers are more than, you know, scribes in, in their garrets, you know, writing, but they're really expert consultants you know, who care passionately about customer experience and are connecting teams all the way across NetApp and doing all this sort of invisible work. And working for her and seeing the way she presents ideas and concepts and, and visions uh, kind of across the, the whole content creating world has been really inspirational for me. Um, I feel empowered to talk about it. I mean, she has this vision she calls the content fabric, which is like the data fabric, but for content where all of the teams creating content at NetApp, and there are quite a few, mind you, technical writing is just one piece. There's a lot right. of other content creating teams at NetApp are, are connected so that we build a more kind of coherent, 
experience, cohesive experience. And so we're driving enterprise content strategy at NetApp. I mean, it's really pretty visionary. And, and I'm, I'm working with her right now on a program, which is all about aligning strategy to product release execution. And it's nothing to do with content ostensibly, but it's an extension of that same kind of connective planning. It's a very engaging, fast-moving organization, and there's literally never a dull moment. And I think a lot of that is because she is a woman in technology, and she has taken a stance that has to do with communication and connection, and that resonates with me. So uh, I I don't know if that answers the question, but I, I really see there's a lot of opportunity for folks who might not necessarily see themselves in technology uh, to come in and make a really big difference by virtue of their ability to, to connect ideas and, and synthesize them. So do you think your experience is unique at NetApp or would you say that, uh, you know, in, in other words, are you, you just super lucky or that this is, you know, kind of a, a trend within NetApp to support women in technology? I think both are true. I think I'm super lucky and I think there is a very significant, meaningful groundswell at NetApp in particular to support women in technology. I see it all throughout the organization. I see women supporting women. I see men supporting women. I see a a commitment to and a real follow-through on the vision that we can support diversity in technology. I believe NetApp has completely put its money where its mouth is feel very, very good about the work that's been done and that's being done at NetApp to support diversity in in our technology space that we occupy. So love it. Love it. Uh, So now I want to take an even bigger step back. Uh, We've talked a little bit about the school, uh, the cool stuff that you've done in your career prior to joining NetApp. We just kind of glossed over it, but love it if you would take (laughs) a timeline and don't leave out any of the good stuff. Wow. Okay. Well, let's see. Yeah. Where to start? Well, I grew up in Northern California and I love Northern California and I still live in Northern California. Uh, And (laughs) I, uh, (laughs) it's my fantastic, amazing world-class commute. (laughs) I, as I said before, I, you know, I was, I was a writer. I did theater, music, art. Uh, I, I majored in humanities uh, in, in my undergraduate studies at UC Berkeley, and then I went to the University of Southern California, and I have a MFA in film production from USC. See that? Uh, that I would have known that, really. <laughs> I mean, I, I, we're talking total hipster here, right? No, not hipster. Uh-huh. Oh, gosh, yeah. no. I take that back. I'm a hippie. <laughs> Plain old hippie, right? <laughs> Well, you'd think, um, not as much as you'd think. Um, yeah. And then I, I were, I was a DJ. So all this, all this arts and humanities work. Uh, and while I was in film school, I discovered that I had a sort of a passion for explaining technology to other people. Uh, we got the first digital editing system. It was called Avid. That's how old I am. And they delivered it to USC and they said, why don't you guys test this thing out. And so I was a graduate student. I tested it out. I started teaching other people how to use it. And lo and behold, I was off and running, uh, learning that I liked to explain technology. So it was kind of a a surprise. I I did work in Hollywood for a little while. And then I came back to the Bay Area to do some multimedia work, which at the time was sort of happening. I temporarily began working as a technical writer and that was a hundred million years ago. So here I am. Here we are. Here we are today. Uh Wow. (laughs) 
Wow. Let's switch gears a little bit. In fact, I have something here in my notes and I'm, I'm, I was taking back a little bit about it. So I think I'm probably <laughs> the perfect person to ask this question because I honestly don't know the answer to it. And that is, Sam is telling me that you're a kettlebell champion. Um, <laughs> what in the Sam is... <laughs> A best kettlebell. female, no. best female kettle baller. <laughs> oh, kettle baller is even better. Okay. Um, well, you're a so, baller. Okay. I'm a baller. Okay. Enough said. Move on. Next question. <laughs> what is a kettlebell? kettlebell? So, okay. So, so there is a thing called a kettlebell, which a lot of folks are familiar with, uh, which is used in fitness, CrossFit, things like that. But what I do is actually a weird little niche uh, sport. It's a Russian competitive kettlebell weightlifting sport. It's actually called Jirovoy Sport. Um, and I am a Jirovic, which is somebody who does that. Um, it's an international sport. Uh, lots of people in Russia and ex-Iron Curtain countries do it, but also the UK, uh, Puerto Rico, Brazil, the US, Canada, all over the world. There's clubs doing this. And we have competitions where we get together and compete. And the, the kettlebell is like a big, kind of a big cannonball with a handle on it. It's big. They're all one size. They're just different densities that make them different weights. And the sport is like, it's, it's really kind of like a peasant sport. It sort of came out of Russia. Like, I can throw this rock farther than you. Or how many times can you lift this grain weight? You know, and out of that came a sport where we lift this big metal ball as many times as we can in a certain time frame. It's usually 10 minutes. Uh, how many times can you lift this minutes. giant Holy ball crap. in 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah. So it's different from weightlifting in that it's not, you know, sort of like, you know, one one jerk that you're done. It's, it's 10 minutes. It's as many reps as you can do. There's three different kinds of lifts. People specialize in different lifts depending on what they love doing. And uh, it's like other sports in that, you know, you're competing against other people who are in your weight class and lifting a similar amount of weight to you, but you're really competing against yourself, right? Because it's just you up there and your brain telling you to stop. It feels bad. Put it down. This is too hard. My foot hurts. My sweaty. I should stop now, you know, uh, and it teaches you a uh, it teaches you a lot of persistence. It teaches you how to suffer. <laughs> and uh, you have a team, and of course, they're cheering for you. But it's really just you up there on that platform, seeing how well you can manage against your own doubts. And that sport has taught me a lot. That, that lesson carries over into work, into you know, your private life, into a lot of different places. And I'm, I'm very grateful to it. It's, uh, it's been a real teacher. But yeah, that's what that is. And uh, you're, you're I'm, skipping I'm, something, I'm, I'm old. I'm a little old for it. <laughs> but, but you're skipping over the part about, you know, like what makes you so special as a <laughs> Come on. A little well, bit. I want to, um, come on, tell us about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 so I've been doing it for a long time. It hasn't been popularized in this country for very long, and I've been doing it for quite a while. And initially, women in the sport were, were only allowed to do one-arm lift, and men were doing two-arm lift. And, uh, and the, the, the club that I'm a part of, we just decided that was ridiculous. And so I was one of the first women to do uh, two-arm lifts in the sport. 
and uh, and I'm one of the oldest uh, women who's still doing it. So uh, I have a couple of, of, you know, sort of notable markers on the record for having done things early on. And I'm continuing to, to lift to this day. Um, and the sport but, is growing. But, but, so. but, but, but I, you got to tell us, what was the reason for the one arm versus two arm rule? I remember being fascinated by that answer. <laughs> well, the, the Russians had some interesting ideas about about female parts, and uh, <laughs> they would they explain to me in great detail that you know, you know, women could not lift two bells because of their physical attributes, and uh, I demonstrated that that was not in fact the case, rather famously. <laughs> Uh, and um, it turns out, yeah, women can lift uh, two bells just like men can. And in fact, we have a Imagine woman in this that. country. In, yeah, we have a woman in Kansas who holds the record. She is she's the, uh, one of the few women in the world who can lift two 24-kilogram bells for 10 minutes. Most men can't do that. And uh, we've basically just crushed all of the barriers uh, that existed beforehand. So okay, I, I can't do the translation there, the kilograms. What what are we talking about for poundage? Uh, gosh, it's like two point something, right? So a little more than twice. It's a lot of weight. Thousands of pounds in 10 minutes. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yep. Wow. <laughs> so, Jennifer, We've heard a lot, but is there anything else we should know about the secret life of Jennifer Kaufman? The secret life. Uh, I think you have, um, I've heard that you have, at least um, your your buddy, Joel Kaufman, has told me that you guys share something. Joel is a another tech advisor for the A-team. He says that you share a passion for something. Whiskey, probably. Yes, yes. What is whiskey? Yeah, I mean, I not so secretly love caps and whiskey, but I mean, I, I'm I'm super well-rounded. I also love dogs and bourbon, um, you know, and, uh, you know, horses and, uh, you know, litter. vodka. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> white too. White, white um, yeah, yeah, no, we, 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 we actually do have, uh, all joking aside, I do have a little whiskey tasting with my team on a regular basis. We, we went through Irish whiskeys and American bourbons and single malt scotches. And uh, so, yes, I'm a big fan. I also love Lego and that has been a nice, Oh. Of bonding with some of my fellow A-team nerds. We, yeah. we definitely have bonded over that. I think we're going to have a Lego channel at some point. I'm, I'm I feeling... think we might need a Lego channel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, just, I didn't even realize. I never, I did not know that adults did Lego. I, I just <laughs> was unaware of this. I honestly, I thought, you know, once you get to be 12 years old, you stop doing Lego, but I was very, very wrong. Well, we always ask our guests a question that is not on our outline that is provided to, to everyone beforehand. Uh, and we typically go back and forth as to which question we're going to ask. But this one, this time we came up with something that's a little bit different. And we typically will answer the question ourselves before we ask the guest to complete because we're just trying to be nice we're trying to give you that time to scramble to actually to you think know, about come up with something but this particular question i i'm still scrambling so cecilia you're you have a you have a really good answer to it so go ahead go so ahead. i'm going to ask and answer the question yeah tell us something about you that other people might consider weird but is just particular to you and mine is i don't eat anything that swims that swam or that has ever burrowed in the sea, with the notable exception of crab cakes. I love them. I don't know why, because it goes against my rule. That is very weird. 
Wow. That's weird. That's weird. So like I said, I don't really have a good answer. I I was trying some things out on Cecilia and she's like, no, you know, like I said, well, I have to have all the labels on my, the cans in the pantry. They all have to be lined up and facing in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I have family members who think that's weird, but you know, she said, no, that just makes me OCD, you know, whatever. So I went, you know, everything I came up with was kind of the same thing. But so here's, here's maybe, maybe this works. I keep every lanyard for every event I've ever attended. And the reason for that is I know someday I'm going to write, you know, my, you know, autobiography, right. But I'm going to be writing a book and I'm going to be wondering where where was I, you know, in, 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 in 2002, you know, what was I doing? And I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, see, this isn't working. It's not working. Right. Okay. All right. Here's, here's one more. No, I love this. Oh yeah. I'm kidding. I relate to it so well. Yeah. It's fantastic. Of course you keep every lanyard because it's a record of all the places you went and all the things you did it makes complete sense yeah, like work seem weird at all. Y- yeah. yeah and it's got, like absolutely. all my pieces of flair it's it's i have a little you know i'd have to like move this a little bit see it see that's only half uh-huh. of that half of the yeah anyway by the way you're not the only one i work with somebody who does the same thing and they're all hanging in his cube and there are a lot of them this it's is my like cube, you know massive yeah. 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 For all intents and purposes, this is my cube. So, okay. So that means, well, I'm not really weird after all. Is that what we, does that? No, I think, I think you're not really weird after all. Cecilia is still weird though. Cause crap. Yeah, that is like, oh, you know. I, I, I accept that. <laughs> yeah, Cause I make assumptions that she'd want to eat something like, you know, I'll say, Oh, I've had this great shrimp, blah, blah, blah. And then I, Oh God, no, 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 no. She's not going to eat that. Yeah. All right. Did we give you enough time, Jennifer? Have you come up with something? Oh, you know, I was, doing that thing where you know instead of listening to you I'm thinking of my answer right that's you're not supposed to do that right that's a sign that you're not actually listening um I don't know <laughs> mine are all me. really and yet you told me that okay whatever you, you really weren't paying attention you're just being nice okay keep going, keep going. Uh, no I, I, I was I, because it resonated with me right it made sense to me I said oh yeah I'm like that too I'm not I don't know all mine are really embarrassing you know like having to lock the door three times and stuff like that like that's no fun I'm trying to think of something yeah that's another sign of that OCD we were talking about right a little yeah. OCD like it's not really fun to hear about somebody's OCD you just feel kind of sad for them I guess that maybe it's a little bit unusual that I I keep a lot of things um you know from like various stages of my life right so I have things that I had when I was a kid and things that I had when I was a teenager and things that I had in college and things that I had as a young adult. (laughs) (laughs) And I, and I, and you know, I have them, you know, sort of organized in around my house. I have some things that were my mom's and things that, you know, and I kind of need to do that. Right. Like, so at a momentous moment in my life, I might kind of pick something and hang on to it. It's a little bit like your, like your lanyards. It's like reminding you of the stages of your life. You can kind of look back and maybe not forget something Yes. Matters when it happened. Yes. I don't know if that's weird, but it's what I'm thinking of right now. It's that's not weird at all. We definitely share that <laughs> in common. My house is a testament to that. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Stuff. Yeah. And 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 not know, Marie not Marie Kondo approved, but they all do spark joy. So <laughs> they all spark joy. Yes. I mean, it's very hard. I, I would. There are so many things I just would not want to part with. Now, when I pass and my children have to deal with all my things, well, they are not going to be feeling joy. But you know, it is what it is. That was a weird turn to take, wasn't yeah, it? It took a weird turn, but you know. <laughs> then again, that's what editing is for. <laughs> 
Well, you know, sometimes the, the, the quirky things actually make it more interesting. So we'll leave it in. We'll leave it okay. in. Okay. Well, right. that's a wrap for this episode of the Tint Podcast. And we'd like to thank you, Jen, for uh, joining us and uh, taking time out of your schedule to be with us. And we'd like to say to our listeners, we know that there are a bunch of podcasts you could be listening to. So we appreciate the time you're taking to spend with us. We hope you'll add us to your list podcasts and we want to hear your feedback. What works? What doesn't? What would you like to hear about next? We encourage you to email us at ng.tentpodcast at netapp.com with your comments and your questions. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. And that's a wrap. That's a real official, you know, wrap. It's like... <laughs> you know, what-